episode of the Wolverine Beat. It is Wednesday, July 26th, 2017 here in Ann Arbor. Nick Baumgartner here from MLive uh, for another edition of the show. Obviously, a lot to talk about today. Uh, as I just returned from Big Ten Media Days in Chicago, uh, we spent two days there speaking with all the league's coaches and, and, of course, Jim Harbaugh and a couple of Michigan players. So plenty to get into with that, uh, but also plenty to discuss about uh, this show, uh, this podcast, uh, the state of the podcast, uh, what's going on with it, uh, and where we're going. So I guess we'll, we'll start there first because I've gotten more questions than I probably anticipated on that, but, uh, but we, did, we will start with that uh, here and we'll do that now. So I guess most of you who listen... Uh, to the show every week, I probably already know this, um, and if you don't, I guess I'm going to tell you right now, uh, <laughs> Brendan, uh, Brendan Quinn, obviously my uh, now former cohort and uh, co-host of the show, co-creator of the show, um, frankly the show was Brendan's idea uh, back in, I want to say, 2015, uh, Brendan has uh, obviously uh, announced on Monday he's accepted a new job uh, with The Athletic in Detroit, um, he'll be covering uh, Michigan State and Michigan basketball, same as he was doing for us, uh, for the folks there at the Athletic as they uh, venture into their uh, new opportunity uh, and, and all those things. So obviously, you know, before anything else, obviously, uh, you know, I wish uh, Brendan the best um, on a professional level and everything else, and, and he'll be around Ann Arbor. So those of you who may be worried that he was leaving the market or anything else, he'll be around and you'll be able to read his stuff over there. Um, but, you know, uh, I just wanted to take a couple of minutes to, to discuss sort of where we're going, where we've been, and, and what's going to happen with this show. So, you know, it, it's been a weird week, um, I guess, for me, uh, a little bit. Uh, you know, I met Brendan uh, for the first time, I want to say, uh, gosh, I guess it was probably 2013, so it was around four years ago. Uh, he was this guy that, you know, I, I believe he actually called me about the job before it ever even happened. I never even met him, never even talked to him before. And I, I pick up the phone at the other end of the line is this guy with this crazy Philadelphia accent that tells me he's living in Tennessee. And I'm all immediately just like, what is happening here? What is, wh- who is calling me? Uh, and so that was the, kind of the start of, of our uh, working relationship. Um, and we went from there. So, you know, we, I thought we worked really well together over the years. Uh, and at some point along the way, you know, he kind of had the idea for, you know, what turned into this show. I think we started it out as uh, basically like a long-form video and then ultimately turned it into to this. And, you know, his idea, and I agreed, I think that we were on the same wavelength with that one, was, you know, we have all these discussions on, um, you know, Michigan football, Michigan basketball anyway. You know, we might as well, uh, you know, record it, put it down, and, and, and you know, involve readers and, and, and everything else and see if, uh, you know, we can turn this into something, um, you know, of note. So that's what we did. And, uh, you know, I mean, we, we gave it a shot with, with no real idea of, of, of it, if it would stick or if it would be anything that people would want to listen to or, or want to, uh, um, you know, participate in. And, um, you know, it's funny, I can remember the first one we recorded, uh, you know, Danny McDonald, who's no longer with MLive, he was there at the time. He helped us out quite a bit in terms of getting it, um, you know, uh, through iTunes and, and, and put up in the, in the areas it needed to be put up uh, you know, on the back, back end of the site. Anyway, we got it on iTunes. And I remember, like, like three hours in, I looked at the, uh, 
at the uh, like charts, the, the sports charts or whatever it was uh, on iTunes. And, and our show was like number 18 or something like that. We were ahead of the Ric Flair podcast in the sports category. And I was like, what? I remember you know, like texting Brendan a picture of this. And I'm like, what? You know, what, what is happening here? This, this doesn't make any sense. Little did I know, of course, at the time that uh, the algorithm iTunes uses for uh, ranking its podcasts, I have no idea what it does. I think it's like used to entice new podcasters to continue to participate as I think it was inflated on purpose because we've never been that high effort ever since. But in any event, uh, we obviously have had great response from all of you. And uh, I know Brendan um, wanted me to pass along all of uh, you know his thanks and everything else and uh, for, for everyone who has been a part of this for the past two years in its now former um, you know kind of capacity and um, and obviously you know I, I know that most of you have expressed the same thing to him on Twitter so um, and then for me yeah I mean um, uh, we had a good uh, run I'd say together um, you know, Brandon and I I think uh, he's not here so I can't speak for him but I think I probably can I know him well enough now um, we, uh, clicked pretty well, uh, I think because in my estimation of it, and I've had some time to think about it, I think that we both, um, you know, we're from different parts of the country. We were, we came from different, you know, sort of paths, but at the same time, at the end of the day, I think we both took the hard way to get to this, <laughs> to get to jobs like this. Um, you know, I, you know, I didn't have a lot of the fancy internships in college. Uh, Brendan didn't have a lot of the fancy internships in college. Uh, I spent too much time uh, in school um, doing other things that, you know, probably, you know, uh, you know, at the bar or whatever uh, during the early days of my uh, college youth rather than spending all the time I, I probably should have on preparing my, for my career. And I know Brendan probably did the same thing. So we always, uh, from the start of our careers all the way through now, uh, both kind of did things the hard way and took the hard path, uh, so to speak. You know, we didn't start out at, uh, you know, these, these mega media companies with huge audiences and covering big time sports or anything else. You know, I was covering high school football uh, in Northeast Indiana for, you know, with my buddy, my old buddy, Josh Patterson, who I know listens to the show back when I was 21, 22 years old, Brendan was working at, uh, uh, a, a conservative newspaper in Philadelphia that no longer exists doing whatever he could. And, and we both kind of took weird paths or not weird, but hard way, the hard way, you know, uh, to get, uh, to kind of, you know, where we're at here. And I think we both appreciated that. And that's, I think we both took the same approach to the job, uh, from that standpoint, I think it kind of, you know, that's, that's why we worked well together. And, and obviously I think that was part of the reason. And I think that's part of the reason why people like to listen to this show is, is our, our opinions or our, um, you know, sort of take on the whole thing, uh, is, is a little bit different than, than a lot of, a lot of others. And, you know, obviously people appreciate our, uh, our, uh, objectivity and those types of things and, and everything else. And, uh, and you know, that's, that's one thing I always appreciate about, I think we were always on the same wavelength with that and, and we had a lot of fun with it. So, um, but either way, um, you know, things change, you know, we don't, we don't always do the same thing forever. Uh, people move on and people do different things and, you know, he's excited about his new opportunity. I'm excited for him and, and I hope that, that, that all works out great and, and everything else. And, um, but yeah, but we do move on. And, you know, initially I'd gotten a lot of questions on if this was going to continue. And I, I, there was a moment or two there where I wondered, hey, maybe, uh, 
Maybe we just uh, cancel this thing, uh, you know, as strangely as it as it arrived. Maybe that's that's how it'll leave. But uh, but I, I got enough uh, response from people that that wanted this to continue, and and we will continue it. Um, uh, Aaron McMahon is now uh, covering Michigan basketball. Uh, he took over Brandon's role here on this side, and and Aaron's a great guy. Aaron uh, works his butt off. Uh, another guy who you know Aaron's a scrapper, a hard worker. He does he does all the things that uh, that you want from. Uh, from a beat writer and you know he's objective of course just like Brendan is was whatever and uh, Aaron will join me um, uh, moving forward and uh, you know I've known Aaron for a while now uh, well, I've worked with him before he's helped out with Michigan before uh, Aaron has knowledge of of, of Michigan uh, that will only continue to grow as, as time goes along here and uh, more importantly uh, for the basketball uh, nuts Aaron has uh, deep knowledge of, uh, of basketball as he, he he was our Pistons writer uh, here at M Live, uh, Aaron covered all 82 games last year, actually, which I don't know if anybody, any beat writer in the league, uh, can claim that. That's just completely insane. But uh, so Aaron knows plenty about basketball, uh, knows plenty about college basketball, knows plenty about the game and everything else, and uh, is really excited to get into this. Um, and you know, we'll uh, we'll get together and, and do do these podcasts moving forward. So we will have something. Of course, it'll probably sound different, but at the same time, the idea will be the same. Uh, and it'll be, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, obviously time permitting as it always was a, a weekly situation where, you know, once the season gets going, we'll, uh, we'll get into this and we'll, you know, he'll be helping me with football as well. So he'll have knowledge of all that, uh, and we'll go forward. So I just wanted to take some time there to make sure that everyone knows that, yeah, we're not just going away. We're not going to just call this off and, and forget it ever happened. And, and, you know, a memory fairy tale. I, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, in other areas of life every week. And I know that uh, how upset people can be, uh, how upset I get anyway, if like a, a podcast I really like uh, says one, you know, one week, hey, we're not doing one this week, or hey, we're not doing one for two weeks. And you're like, well, you know, what the hell? What's going on here? This is this is part of my week. So uh, I wanted to make sure that everyone had uh, had the, the, the assurance that we're going to continue to do this, because I enjoy it, frankly. And that's, you know, we didn't have to continue to do it, but I do enjoy it. Um, and that is something that... Um, that I uh, wanted to continue, so um, you know that's 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 that, uh, and this will this will move forward uh, in 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 that capacity. Aaron will join me soon. Uh, timing didn't work out today, and I promised you guys some stuff today, so I just figured we'd do kind of a longer form uh, Q and A from Media Days. You know, we can get into news and notes on that. Um, you know. It, but I think it's probably better to just get into the questions. I think a lot of the news and notes, uh, most of you probably already saw. We wrote uh, more or less most of it, uh, you know, throughout the um, the couple of days there in Indy. But I, I did get plenty of questions, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna roll through those and try to get to every one of these. You know, there's a good uh, handful in here, so I'm gonna try to get to all of them as best I can. And um, and yeah, so we'll go from there. But uh, all right, let's dive into it. Uh, maybe one second here. Let me load these up because my computer is not cooperating for some reason, but, uh, okay, still coming in. All right, here we go. Uh, so first one from uh, Chris. Uh, do you really think the quarterback competition is that close, or is this another edition of uh, Harbaugh's head games? And, you know, this is uh, the quarterback stuff was, was the main thing that uh, I was asked about, uh, uh, the main issue, I suppose, from Media Day. And that Harbaugh said of note on uh, Tuesday when he took the podium that, um, that yeah, this is, he called it a dead heat. 
between Wilton Spate, Brandon Peters, and John O'Corn. Uh, a dead heat meaning, um, you know, all three are going to have a chance in, in, in fall camp. And he really didn't give a, a nod to anyone as being ahead. He did make a note of, you know, Wilton Spate being in a really good spot because obviously Wilton's done this before, not just the fact that Wilton has started uh, games before uh, and won games before in big time competition, but Wilton has now been through two of these kind of meat grinder competitions uh, and he's won one and he's lost one. So he knows what it's like on both sides of it. And he has, so maybe if there's an advantage, he has that, but in terms of play on the field, you know, Harbaugh seemed genuinely encouraged by all three uh, and really wants to see, you know, who can kind of push forward and, and move it. And that's what, you know, that's what competition is. I don't think this is head games. I've said that since, you know, the end of spring. I, I know it's not. Um, I've seen Brandon Peters, and then Brandon Peters is the reason why this is a thing. Okay, that's that's first and foremost. The reason why this is a, a you know, an abs- is going to be a competition is because he's earned it. Uh, Brandon Peters spent – all of spring practice, uh, opening people's eyes uh, inside the program and, and everywhere else uh, by consistently ma- showing the ability to make throws with his arm. He's got a big arm. He's very accurate. Uh, his arm talent, uh, and, you know, Harbaugh talked about that arm talent, is, is he didn't say this, but I'll say it. Uh, his arm talent right now on, in terms of a raw talent ability is better than anybody else's on the team. He has more tools physically than the other two uh Period. So, you know, that's that's a reality. The, the, the problem there, of course, is that he's a redshirt freshman with no experience. He's never done anything. He has zero stat line uh, and, you know, nothing to, to fall back on. Whereas Wilton Spate has a full year of experience, has command of the huddle, has command of the offense, has command of the locker room, has all those things that Brandon Peters still needs to get, even if Wilton's arm isn't quite as good as, as Brandon's is. And, it, you know, frankly, I don't think it is. I think Brandon Peters is more talented, but talent doesn't always – you know, trump everything. I mean, at the same time, and we're not talking about a situation where, you know, Brandon Peter, you know, is going against a guy who can't get it done. I mean, Wilton Spade is not a chump. Uh, Wilton Spade is not a bum. Uh, I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, well, uh, if Wilton throws one incompletion, he's got to get out of there. I mean, you know, there's still this, we've talked about this in previous shows, there's this growing sentiment that the reason why Michigan lost three games last year was Wilton Spade and Wilton Spade alone. That's completely ridiculous. Uh, and we've discussed all of those things in, ad nauseum. Uh, you know, Wilton Spate was 9-0 and as a starter through the first nine games of the season, had a bad game at Iowa, uh, and, yeah, certainly was a reason why they lost the game. But at the same time, the offensive line was so bad that Wilton screwed his shoulder up and they couldn't run the football, and he was hurt for the rest of the year and played hurt uh, in, the, in the last two games he did, in fact, play in. So, no, he wasn't perfect, but, I mean, you know, Wilton Spate's – this is the same Wilton Spate that made the game-winning throw – to beat a Wisconsin team that was in the Big Ten Championship game here. This is the same Wilton Spate that was 9-0 and as a starter, the same guy that had most people very encouraged uh, with his play throughout the beginning part of the season as a first-year starter who'd never done this before. So he's very serious about this. He's not going to roll over and let this thing just roll away and, and give it to someone else. I mean, if Brandon Peters is going to win the job, and I, I kind of kind of sum it up like this. If Brandon Peters is the starting quarterback on this team, uh, that means that he is so special right now and so good that the staff just has no other choice. They have to, uh, in good conscience and for the best, you know, for the betterment of the team, they ha- they would have had to play him. You know, it's, uh, you know, Andrew Luck was one of those type of guys when he was a redshirt freshman with, with Jim Harbaugh. He was too good to sit on the bench, regardless of everything else that was happening. Right, He replaced the returning starter at Stanford, uh, and had the job without any experience because he was Andrew Luck. 
And I'm not saying Brandon Peters needs to be Andrew Luck to win this job, but I kind of am. I mean, in some ways, he needs to be a special player like that to where, you know, the staff looks around and says, he's just too good not to play. And that's the reality of it, and he has to play. And, and, for, and it has nothing to do with, well, if he doesn't play, he's going to get upset and he's going to leave. No. It has nothing to do with, well, if he doesn't play, the fans are going to be mad uh, or they're going to jump all over Wilton. No, they don't care about any of those things. The best guy is going to be the guy, uh, and the rest are going to watch. That's, that's it. And so when I get the questions of, is he really going to have a chance? I have no evidence suggesting that he wouldn't absolutely have a chance to do this. Zero. So, yes, I, I completely believe Harbaugh and anyone else when they say, you know, Brandon Peters is going to have a chance to win this job. But at the same time, I will say this, it's going to be extremely difficult for him to do it. It's going to be a challenge and a test because Wilton Spate's not going to just roll over and take it or let it let it slip away. And the same would go for John O'Korn. If he's going to be able to beat Wilton Spate, that means he's going to have to improve plus one, you know, and that's that's just how it's going to have to go. So nothing is guaranteed, nothing is set in stone, and nothing is promised, uh, and all of them are going to have it out, and, and the best guy will be uh, the one who walks out there and takes the first snap and, and plays against Florida. And then I've had further questions of, well, if uh, Wilton's ac- accuracy issues creep back up again in the first game, is he going to get yanked and they're going to put Peters in? No, I mean, like, when he picks a starter, that's going to be the starter. And that is, you know, he's not going to yank a guy in the first half of the first game of the season. He's not going to yank a guy in game two uh, or whatever. I mean, unless the starter he picks ends up, like, completely being the reason why you're losing football games, uh, he's going to ride with the guy that he picked because that's, you know, that person won a competition and earned that right. So that's just how this works. Um, same time, they're all going to have a chance. So I hope, I hope I've done my best to make that clear. I, don't, I think that there's still a lot of people who are just not going to believe it until they see it, and I think that's fair too. I mean, if that's your opinion, then uh, that's totally fair, and, um, and uh, I can't really argue with that. But I, I can say with, based on what I know and based on all I've heard, uh, he's going to get a chance, and he's going to get a chance because he's earned it. And he's going to get a chance because he deserves it. And um, all all, peop- all parties involved, including Wilton Spate, uh, wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, and I can say that to you without uh, without any hesitation. So moving on here. Uh, Nessie uh, asks, one surprise contributor on each side of the ball. Uh, yeah, that's a tough question. Um, you know, uh, surprise contributor, I mean, there's going to be a lot of new faces uh, all over the place. And I think that, that opens it up for a lot of guys to maybe be a surprise Um you know, it's a prize, whatever it might be. I think that, um, you know, one I can, I, I can, I can look at right now. And I think that maybe some people who are the real diehards probably already know this name, but Nate Shanley, the walk-on receiver, uh, slot guy, uh, who got, uh, made a couple of really nice grabs in spring. Harbaugh keeps talking about this guy, you know, Nate Shanley is going to play, uh, or going to have a chance to be in the rotation there at receiver in the slot or otherwise. And, you know, he'd be a guy that I'd look at and say, if, if all he's going to do is run really crisp routes and, and catch everything thrown at him, then he's absolutely going to have a role in this football team. I don't know if that'd be a surprise to anyone who's paying attention, but maybe, maybe people who have maybe let, you know, taken the summer off a little bit and not, not get all the way in on this, would, that'd be one that I would say Nate Shanley's name just keeps popping up uh, over and over again. And you look at the receiver situation and there's just, there's just open jobs all over the place. And, um, if, yeah, like I say, if, if his route running is good and he catches everything and thrown in his direction, he's going to have a role on this football team. Uh, so I would say he's he's a guy that uh, I would continue to watch and uh, one that you know they keep talking about. I mean, he's mentioned Nate Shanley and 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 you know like he's a scholarship player more or less at this point. So there's that. And then 
you know, on the other side of the ball, um, if I had to pick one, he, he talked pretty highly about Quiddy Pay and, and Luigi Villain uh, yesterday, Tuesday in Chicago. Uh, he said, uh, and I, you know, it's funny because I, I just got done watching Quiddy Pay's tape um, for, you know, the freshman series I was doing. And, you know, Steve Lorenz had told me this a while ago. Steve works for 24-7, does a great job as a recruiting uh, analyst and program watcher and follower and everything else. Um, he had said that, you know, his pick all along for the guy that was going to maybe surprise the most people uh, in terms of underrated whatever was, was Quiddy Pay. And, you know, watching his tape, you know, you could I, I completely agreed with him uh, from, from the start. I mean, this was a guy who played in Rhode Island, wasn't really on the camp circuit, uh, didn't play against great competition, had that big fish, small pond situation going on. So he was very undervalued. But, you know, Quiddy Pay was one of like the second or third lowest ranked kid in, the, in this class in terms of the composite ranking. And I just I completely disagreed with that. I, I would have had him somewhere in the middle. Um, if some of those guys were four-star players in the, in the 200s, uh, I, he looked better to me than, than a lot of those guys. You know, the one question I had was he was going to have to gain weight and Harbaugh said he looks like he's gained 20 pounds uh, of good weight, not sloppy. You know, he made a note of that, too. He's 20 pounds of muscle, whatever, uh, of good weight. Maybe not all muscle, but whatever. You know what I mean. Good weight, uh, looks like he's stronger and carrying himself better. I think he is going to have an opportunity to get into that rotation um, on some level. Maybe it's the bottom of the rotation uh, as, a, as a rush end, uh, but I think he's going to have a chance to do it. And, and Part of the reason why I also think that is Luigi Villane is, is, is another guy who's very highly rated, and most people expected him to have a contribution. Harbaugh said that uh, there's a possibility Luigi could be playing linebacker uh, and maybe also rush in. And I think that he looked at both of those guys and said, maybe together, you know, maybe together as 1A and 1B, they make up a man in the rotation. Um, but I think that, you know, most people probably expected Luigi to be a contributor, and I think some people who really follow it close um, – thought maybe that Quiddy Pay could be a guy who, you know, crept in there and, and maybe surprised some people. But um, I think we're, uh, they seem to be beyond that now. I think that they, they're anticipating Quiddy Pay to come into camp and really fight for a spot and really make, uh, make them, you know, think about it. And, and I, you know, I'd be surprised, I think, at this point, if he doesn't get a chance to show what he's got early on, uh, you know, we could see him in that first game against Florida, and who knows? I mean, we talk about open jobs. I mean, all four of the reserve defensive line spots are completely wide open. So, you know, you're looking for somebody to back up Chase Winovich. Uh, Pay is is has got that, you know, off the edge, speed to power, quick feet, quick burst, quick off the ball, uh, chases from behind, does all the things you want a weak side guy to do, uh, discipline with his rush lanes. It was just a matter of physically catching up, and, and can he do this against top-tier competition? And uh, I guess we'll find out, but uh, that'd be my pick. Maybe he would be my pick alone in terms of surprise contributor, whatever you want to call it, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, moving forward. Uh, Matt, what can we realistically expect from Chris Evans this year? Will he make a jump in productivity? Uh, yeah, I think he will. I think he's absolutely going to uh, because he's going to be the guy. I think that uh, when all things shake out, I'm, Harbaugh talked quite a bit highly of Karan Higdon uh, this week, said Karan's had a really good offseason and is going to come in here and really, really fight and push to, to earn time. And Michigan will rotate uh, guys. Uh, uh, P.J. Fleck actually brought up the old pair and a spare uh, you know, I think it was a Glenn Mason thing or maybe somebody beyond him, the, the thing about running backs. You know, you need a pair and a spare, two, you know, two guys you can count on and one other guy that, that, that's right there behind him pushing him. 
And I think Michigan's absolutely in that situation where you've got Evans and Higdon and Ty Isaac. You know, you got three guys there that you trust and, and that you can count on. And, and Chris is the guy to me that he's the most explosive back. I think everyone knows that. Uh, he can make people miss. He can create his own yards, and it doesn't have to be by just dropping a shoulder and plowing somebody over. He can create his own yards by finding a gap or a lane uh, in an otherwise kind of roughly blocked play. And, and find a way to get through, you know, and move forward. So Chris, and more importantly, uh, he's changed his body. I mean, if you see Chris Evans right now and you look at what he looks like today and what he looked like at the end of last season, they, they almost look like different people. I mean, he's, he has legitimately put on a good 15 pounds. Uh, his arms are bigger. His shoulders are bigger. His upper body is stronger. Uh, his lower body looks bigger as well. He looks like he's spent an entire, you know, year uh, in the weight room and doing all the things nutrition-wise that he needs to do. So he looks stronger, and he looks like he's able to, ki to carry a larger load. And what does that mean in terms of average carries or whatever per game? You know, 15 to 18. I think Chris could give you that uh, without any trouble. And, and if he's going to be the guy that's kind of the bell cow, so to speak, whatever that means, that still means that Karan Higdon is going to get 10 to 12. Ty Isaac's going to get 10 to 12. And then you know, Curry Walker is also probably going to get a good handful in there as well. So you got four guys right there. But I do think Chris Evans, you know, he was a seven-yard-per-carry guy last year. Uh, I mean, shoot, if he doubles his carries and replicates that, he's in for, you know, an All-American-level season. I'm not sure if I'd go that far, but I think he's, his production is going to increase uh, because he is going to be their guy, in, you know, as, as best that can be. You know, Michigan's not going to go and give him the ball 30 times a game, I don't think, because they have other options they don't need to. But uh, I do think you'll see a major jump from him. And I do think he'll be a guy that at the end of the year, you know, you're talking about your, your top two, three, whatever offensive, you know, whatever weapons. Uh, Chris Evans is certainly in that, in that mix, in that situation. Uh, Josh, is the breakup uh, of you and Brendan like into when Dwight went to work at Staples and Michael had to bring him back? <laughs> I mean, uh, no one got fired. No one got told to leave. And no one has to do anyone's laundry. Uh, when they come back. So I wouldn't go that far. I would just say it's uh, one of those things that happens and uh, people move on. So uh, we're still friends, of course, um, and, and probably always will be. So no breakup, no, uh, no, no ill will at all. Uh, and uh, Bo Grave asks if he should still be tipping his bartenders and servers. Of course, you should always tip your bartenders and your servers well. Um, as someone who used to be a server, I can tell you that uh, those, those, those folks deserve, even if they're struggling uh, and having a rough day, they still deserve a good tip because that's what they do. Um, Andrew, do you see Jim Harbaugh and his sports staff trending more to an NFL scouting type staff? Um, yeah, man, I don't know. Yes and no, but I think they've already kind of did that. I, it's interesting in that you know Harbaugh talked quite a bit yesterday about staff sizes and uh, the fact that Michigan is getting leaner. Uh, which is that brings us into a pretty Andrew's question brings us into a another topic to discuss here in that he admitted that the staff size was too big really in the first two years it was it was just huge they were just hiring guys left and right analysts personnel guys left I mean all over the place and, and guys were leaving and they were replacing every job and they had some guys in there that you wondered and he didn't say this but I'm saying it they had some guys in there that you wondered what they were doing and he said you know everybody wanted to help and there was all this interest, and you know you're just loading up because you thought more is more, but it turns out maybe that wasn't really the case. So they've kind of taken a step back this off season. They had openings, uh, and there was about nine jobs that were open that they didn't fill um, from guys that had left and gone on to other jobs. And so what you what you'll see now is is what they hope you'll see now is more of a leaner, uh, compact approach. You know, um, 
and, and new and, and got some guys doing more, uh, some guys taking on more responsibility, uh, you know, and, and kind of merging some of those departments together. And I think that the one thing that I took away is that you know Michigan hired a guy named Sean McGee in uh, late winter, but I think it was before spring. Uh, Sean McGee, he was from, uh, he spent a good number of years at Navy uh, as a player personnel director, and you know is a guy that that is his trade is is the you know, recruiting organization you know organization from a recruiting standpoint organization from a personnel standpoint all the behind the scenes stuff that goes into that job which you know we could sit here and talk for three hours about all the things that that those guys have to do uh but understanding the landscape of that having a having a relationship with the athletic department having a relationship with nfl teams uh being you know a scout an organ uh, you know not quite a scout but kind of an, on an organizational level being able to kind of get everybody in the right place you know putting people in the right geographical areas uh, you know the the architect of the plan so to speak i mean the recruiting plan and everything else that's sean mcgee's background um and a lot of times you see those jobs get filled by guys who are trying to be coaches and i don't think that that's what sh- what sean wants to do i think sean is is very much into the you know, almost like an executive, uh, you know, type guy, a guy who that's his passion. That's what he likes to do. Uh, and that's what he wants to do. And Michigan made a pretty big commitment to him salary wise and with, a, with, with, you know, in year wise and everything else. And they're hoping that, that he'll stick with them. And I think what you've seen now is that he's becoming more and more important and almost, you know, one of those higher ranking people in the, in the, uh, within the program, Jim Minnick was, was, uh, Harbaugh's first hire here. He left this offseason to return to the military. Jim Minnick was the associate AD, AD for football, essentially. Sean McGee is basically that now, uh, from what I could gather. He is going to be a very valuable uh, and very important member of their staff, and a lot of the personnel people will work with him and sort of under and alongside him to organize um, and streamline and, you know, and become more efficient by becoming leaner in, in what they're doing in terms of their plan because they did have a lot of people and at some point I got to think you had to step back in there and say that it's just too many and uh, it was too many people with murky job descriptions so I think that by sort of tightening things up a little bit they're, they're redefining roles and uh, probably getting more more efficient uh, and, and probably more organized along the way and I think that uh, Sean will play a big role in that he's a sharp guy uh, a bright guy. I, there's a lot of people who've spoken to me very highly of him. Uh, a lot of people, that was a low-key hire that was so much more important, I think, than most people realized back when he was brought in. Um, and I think you'll you'll probably hear more about him as time goes on. And uh, he's got a pretty good reputation, and a lot of people respect him. And uh, I think he'll be an important member of that, of Harbaugh's staff. And, you know, I don't know if I'd call him the, his right-hand man, but uh, he's probably... Uh, Probably approaching that status, I, w- I would think at this point. He's very, very important to what Michigan does, and, and, and Harbaugh knows that, and, and all of this is sort of reflective of that at this point. Uh, another running pack question from Chris. How do you see the carries rationed out this season? How much of Walker's Walker? So on and so on. Yeah, I mean, we just kind of touched on that. Um, uh, you know, I see it going. Evans at 15 to 18. In, a perfect, in their perfect game, right, or their perfect world, Evans 15 to 18, Higdon 10 to 12. Isaac, 10 to 12, you know, maybe one gets eight, I don't know, depending on the day. Walker maybe gets a handful, and and you see what kind of competition be- below that, you know, and the, they're, inter- you know, they could be interchangeable. If one guy's outperforming another, then he moves up the rank. But I think that your your top guy is looking at 15 to 18, and then the guys beneath him are, you know, you're trying to get them eight to 10, maybe 12 uh, underneath. And if your offensive line's blocking for you, then that's what you're going to do. But 
You want one guy to be kind of the, the tone setter, not necessarily the guy that gets 30 a game. No one's doing that. So I think that's important to note. Uh, Brian, most concerning position. Secondary makes sense for me, but it'll always be the offensive line until they can prove they can win in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I good point from Brian. Two good points. Secondary probably is the most concerning position because, because we have no idea. Uh, the cornerback spots are so wide open. I think that'll be the most intense position battle uh, they have in camp because they are completely and totally open. Uh, the safety spots are also open, but you do have some kind of you know leaders there in, in Tyree Cannell and, and Josh Metellus, though you know some of these freshmen could get in there and make some things happen. But I, st- I still think that at the end of the day, you'll see Cannell and Metellus be the guys. I really don't know at corner. You know, I, I'd be surprised if Lavert Hill's not one of them, but I have no idea who the other corner is going to be. Uh, you know, a lot of people have just pegged David Long in there. I don't know if David Long did enough in spring uh, to be that guy or be be a guy who like held on to that. He's going to get the first chance. I don't think I don't I don't think he did. Frankly, uh, Keith Washington I think forced his way into that into that discussion. Uh, they had some younger Brandon Watson is still going to get a chance. Uh, they had some younger guys in camp uh, and they're going to get a chance. I I just don't know and. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's somebody we're not really expecting. I really wouldn't. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that carries out throughout the throughout the season. You, you can recall back to, you know, Jeremy Clark and Channing Stribling rotating all the time uh, back in B.J. Durkin's year here. Um, and really before Jeremy got hurt, um, you know, that happened as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see three guys, uh, you know, rotating in there and maybe even four. Who knows? I don't know. But that could be a rotational thing. Uh, at least early on in the season. I think that'll be the biggest battle, and it's the biggest question mark because Michigan's pass defense has been so rock solid over the last few years. I think you're going to see more hiccups than you've, than you've witnessed uh, you know, in the last two or three, so uh, I think that's, that'll just happen. Matt had the same question. Uh, how, how concerned should you be about the secondary? Yeah, I think that's, that's a concern. Uh, but again, back to, back to the previous one from Brian. Yeah, I mean, to me, though, it's, you know, the offensive line is still percolating right underneath there because – uh, ultimately, that, that's that's the backbone of this team. That's the backbone of this offense and where they're trying to go. This offense has not been dynamic yet, and you know I blame more of the problems that they had last season on the offensive line than I do the quarterback. I mean, I just do. I, that's They could not run the ball against Iowa. They could not run the ball against Ohio State, and they could not run the ball against Florida State. Those were your three losses. And if they if they ran the ball adequately, they would have possibly won all three games, probably would have won all three games. So, you know, to me, that's still the thing that hasn't been fixed here. You've seen improvement in, in almost every other area, but you just seem to be topping out and plateauing at less than you need to be with the old line. So, yeah, still absolutely uh, uh, one that uh, is, is one to watch. So, uh, Todd uh, and then uh, DNB before him, what position group appears to be the closest competition for spring starting spots? Yeah, again, corner, I think, is right now what I would say with that one. Uh, Todd. Uh, which Big Ten coach has the hottest seat? Tough question because there's so many new guys. Um, and that was, you know, Tom Allen, Indiana, had his first media day. Uh, Jeff Brom at uh, Purdue had his first media day. P.J. Fleck had his first media day. Uh, Chris Ash had his second. D.J. Durkin had his second. Um, you know, so, you, so you've got a lot of new faces. Uh, Lovey Smith had his second. So a lot of new faces all over the place. Um, and a lot of guys in, the, in that group that are still going to have plenty of time to get themselves, not you know, plenty of time relative to football speaking, time to get themselves ready and get themselves moving forward. Um, but, you know, so it's tough because I, I can't say that, like, Chris Ash is on the hot seat because he had a terrible year at Rutgers and everyone thought he'd have a terrible year. 
Uh, DJ Durkin probably outperformed expectations, so I don't think that's the case. Lovey Smith didn't have a good year, but I don't think anyone thought he'd have a good year. And then the rest of those guys are brand new, um, so you really can't judge them on that. And then I look around everywhere else, and, you know, James Franklin seemed to get himself off the hot seat, at least for a year. Urban Meyer is never going to be on the hot seat. Jim Harbaugh is certainly not on the hot seat. Paul Christ is not on the hot seat. Um, Mike Riley is probably – he probably – Turned the temperature down on his seat last year a little bit, but at the same time, maybe he could be back in that spot sooner than later at Nebraska. Pat Fitzgerald is safe forever. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of, uh, and then I go down, Kirk Ferentz has been at Iowa since the, you know, the Reagan or Reagan years or something. I have no idea. So he's never going anywhere, apparently. I believe Kirk Ferentz is now the longest tenured coach in all of college football, believe it or not. Uh, and then, so that leaves Mark D'Antonio, and that's the one where, I mean, it's a huge year for him. Uh, he was asked specifically if he thinks he's going to have a chance to write the ending to his story at Michigan State, and it's been an impressive story up until this year where they had all the offseason problems, and then last year they were 3-9 and nine and terrible on the field. So Mark D'Antonio finds himself, I think, in that spot of if they are 3-9 and nine again after all the stuff they went through and – the fact that you can't go back-to-back years of being that bad uh, and hope to survive, you know, that's the one to me that's the most interesting. I think it's probably him, um, to be frank. Uh, he doesn't seem to think that, uh, and you know, nor should he, of course, but I got to think it's probably him. Uh, he's the one that's probably got the most to prove right now in terms of can you get off the mat and can you fix this thing? Because if you can't, then somebody else has to come in and do it because you can't. How long can you wait around for it to get fixed? Because you wait around too long and you're completely irrelevant. Uh, and that's just how it works. So, so that's that. Uh, Colton, one of the coolest college football tr- traditions you've seen in person or want to see. I've always wanted to see Wisconsin's jump around. Yeah, I'll, I'll actually get to see that this year. I, I have not been to Madison. That's the one spot I haven't been. Michigan hasn't played at Madison since like 2009 or something like that. So I started in 2011, so I haven't actually been there. Uh, I've been to Madison before, but I haven't been to Camp Randall. So I'll see that this year. The coolest one I ever saw, though, was um, – uh, enter Sandman, the thing that they do at uh, Virginia Tech uh, at Lane Stadium when they come out, uh, their entrance, that place is the loud. This, that's still the loudest building I've ever been in for football, uh, just the way it's built and everything else. It's a really cool place to see. I think everyone should, everyone who's a diehard should see that place one time. Um, and I think Michigan actually will be there. Uh, I can't think of the date off the top of my head, but they, they have a contract with them, so a home-and-home, home. so I think believe, unless they buy that out, uh, that they will be at Lane Stadium at some point. So that's a really cool place and a really cool building to see. Uh, Josh, uh, will you still be covering basketball without Brandon? Uh, yeah, uh, Aaron will be the point guy for that, and uh, I'm sure I will have my my turns in there as well. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, we'll still cover it. Uh, Andy, do you think uh, Tarek Black and Peoples-Jones will both be game one starters? Um, probably not both of them. And again, I've gone on record plenty saying that I think Black ended spring better, in a better spot than Peoples-Jones was. I thought he was better in camp. Um, and if I had to make my depth chart at the end of spring, I think I did put Tariq Black in there as a starter, and Peoples-Jones would have been a rotational guy. Uh, but, you know, that certainly can change. They've had all, an entire offseason to work. Peoples-Jones, I know, got dinged up a little bit. Um, but I don't think both of them will start. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them does. I also wouldn't be surprised if they're both – running as backups but I, I really again I'm I'm on the Tariq Black train I thought he was great uh, I think he's going to be really good I think people's Jones could be too but I, I thought Black was more advanced um, 
Chef Boyari, what team will Jim Har what team this summer will Jim Harbaugh apparently leave Michigan for? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm sure that uh, some of you guys who are paranoid about that will continue to ask that, but uh, he seems pretty happy here. Um, Ross, uh, gonna miss Brendan. Excited that you're keeping this going. Um, appreciate that from Ross. Uh, he also asked big need in the return game. Who's gonna be the difference maker there? Yeah, uh, good question. Don't know. Um, don't know. I, I think a lot of options. You saw that they gave it a shot to Nate Johnson in the in the spring game. Uh, you know, Nate did not have a good day in the spring game with the with ball security. So I'm not sure if that opens back up again. I, you know, maybe they'll let one of these freshmen get a crack at it. Um, but I think that's going to be something that uh, I, I just I, I really have no idea. I think the first things first, they got to find somebody that can catch a punt because uh, that was the one thing that you took for granted with Peppers is he never, ever, ever bobbled, dropped, whatever. I mean, he caught every single punt in traffic, otherwise on the run. Uh, he was as sure-handed a punt returner as you'll find in college football. Forget all the other stuff. That's going to be job number one. Who can catch it and hang on to it um, and, uh, and be secure there? You know, you, I mean, that's the first. You can't do anything with it if you don't catch it. And turning the ball over on a punt, I mean, everyone knows, you know, how deflating that is. Uh, you get a stop, you fight and scrap to get a – get a stop and force a team to kick and then you fumble the ball. I mean, that's just, that's how games are lost. Uh, so finding someone who can hang on to it is priority number one. And I think that's still probably very much a, a process. Um, Jay asks, does someone from ESPN asking Harbaugh about LeVar Ball prove that media days have jumped the shark? Yeah. Media days jumped the shark a long time ago. Uh, I've always said that those things can be done in one day. Uh, for some reason they continue to stretch them out. Although this isn't like the SEC where they're out there for a week for crying out loud. But um, yeah. Good point. I think that was one of the last questions Harbaugh got yesterday. Then I, I think I tweeted, it's probably time to go home uh, at that point. Uh, P.A. Mishvan, any insight on the new tight end commit, Luke Schoonmaker? No, uh, I haven't gotten into him yet, really. It just happened yesterday, last night. Um, you know, all I can say again on that one is you, you knew they were going to take multiple tight ends, and obviously they missed out on Jeremy Ruckert, the, the big-time prospect from uh, that went to Ohio State. Uh, still very much in there with Mustafa Muhammad, who's a top-end tight end, uh, top-five guy, I believe. And uh, is another Connecticut kid. They, they got uh, Tariq Black and Andrew Stuber out of Connecticut last season. So, obviously, their presence there is continuing. And they needed depth at tight ends. So they were going to take more than one. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously, they like him. So, uh, I, I'll, have to, I'll, I'll have to look more at his stuff and then get back to you on that one. Uh, Alan, do you have different expect, uh, different impression on the upcoming season as opposed to the previous two? Do you expect any bit of camp access? No, I do not expect any. In fact, Michigan is not having a media day. <laughs> so if I got to just tell you that, I don't believe Ohio State is either. Um, I think, but I know that Michigan will not have a formal media day. We'll have access uh, in terms of talking to some players, but we're not going to see any practice or, or any of that. I do anticipate we'll have access. Yeah, we'll talk to players and some coaches, but uh, we're not going to see practice and we're not going to be out there every day. That's not going to happen. Um, and I never expected that, so uh, so that's that. Uh, M. Hart, what's the theme mantra for this year's team? Um, start winning, you know. Start beating. Start start beating people on the road. Start doing this thing. I think you know it's fair for people to expect results now. And I know that they're young, and I know they're replacing a lot of stuff. But you know, I said this like a while ago when we were talking about, like, Brendan and I were talking about Indiana basketball, I think it was, like, Archie Miller saying something about, you know, basically begging the fan base for patience. You know, like, that fan base has been through a lot. They're not – they're only going to be patient for so long. And Michigan's fan base 
And you know, you know, I give a lot of you guys hard times, and you give me a hard time back, but it's all good, of course. You guys have been through a lot. I mean, you've been through a lot. You know, the the the, the 2008 through 2014 here were as rough as it got. You know, I mean, and people have been patient, and they have waited, and they have, you know, they've done all those things. I don't think people want to do that anymore. I think people are tired of that. You know, when's it going to be your time? And I think that that's, you know, make it make it happen. Go win something. Go do something that was unexpected. You know, people don't expect you to win the Big Ten. Go prove them wrong. You know, I, I think people are getting tired of waiting around. And, 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 and I, I still say I say that with also the next words out of my mouth saying that they firmly are behind everything Jim Harbaugh is doing. But, yeah, I don't think anybody's in the mood for, for patience anymore. I, I think they expect this team to be good regardless of the turnover, regardless of the youth. That's just got to be the expectation here now. And, you know, forget all the excuses. Forget all the other stuff. Just go win games. Do it or don't, you know. And I think that that's, that's how I look at it. I don't know what their – I think their mantra is probably to win every game. They probably want to win every game they play. But you know, I look at it, you know, and I can, I, can, I can kind of sometimes see things through the lens of you guys when you talk to me. And that, you know, I think a lot of people are – and there are maybe, maybe some are hesitant to say it or admit it, but it's okay. I mean, I think it's okay to be, you know – kind of I need some answers here I need some results you know I need to see them I need to see them go on the road uh to to Happy Valley or Madison and beat a good team on the road I mean that hasn't happened in so long here you know I think people need to see that that's that that stuff is the sign of progress beating Ohio State is a sign of progress it's real signs of progress beating good teams in uncomfortable situations uh winning tight games in the fourth quarter that you won because you won and you didn't win because somebody just screwed it up and gave it to you, you know, that kind of stuff. So I think that's fair to expect. And I think that's fair to anticipate. And, um, I think a lot of people are, and I think a lot of people are in that spot. And I said to somebody a while ago, I said, you know, I think it's going to be fair if people are upset, if this team is, is anything less than, you know, if this team wins 10 games again, then I think it's fine to say, okay, that's a pretty good year for a young team. But if you're 8-4 and four or something like that, or maybe even 9-3, and three, I don't know, I think it's fair for people to be a little frustrated with that because you see Ohio State, you see what they're doing, you see what Alabama's doing, you're spending all this money, you're, you've got all these resources into this, why can't you do the same thing? And when's that going to happen? So I think that's fair, you know, I think that's a fair thing to expect and, and a fair thing to, to, to move forward on. Uh... I need a name. Any word on the on Michael Dwemfor in terms of injury? Yeah, Michael uh, seems to be back ready to go. Uh, I think he was close at the end of spring, but seems like he's uh, been training and doing all the things he needs to do, and he's going to be right in there in the mix uh, for one of those jobs uh, in the rotation there in the middle, which is which is good news. I, I don't know if he's full go at the very beginning, but I, I got to think he's probably close to it. So, uh, so yeah. Um, Adam asks if I miss if I miss Brendan's Musk. No, I don't miss his Musk. I don't know if he had a Musk. Uh, maybe I'll have to find that out later on. Um, Mr. Mays, is it now or never for offensive line improvement? I mean, yeah, I've been saying that for forever. It's, I mean, yeah, they got to do it. I mean, they're not going to beat anybody until that offensive line figures it out. That's just the reality of it. I mean, you, you can't mask it. You can't hide it. You can't scheme around it unless you've got, you know, unless you've got Andrew Luck back there. Uh, it's going to be tough to scheme around a lot of that stuff. Um, you've got to have it and. And, you know, unfortunately for them, they're all brand new and everything else, and they've got to move forward. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's got to happen, and it's got to, you've got to start seeing real progress, and you've got to start seeing them move forward some of this plateauing. You know, they, they've got to be good against good teams, and uh, otherwise, you know, you're going to spin your wheels. Uh, J.W. Charles, last one. Uh, who you got? Braun versus Brock, Joe versus Roman. Well, I'm confused. 
uh, on this one. I, I haven't followed along. I missed. I think I haven't been in tune in the WWE universe. Uh, so I'm thinking Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar, Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns. Uh, I'll go Brock Lesnar and Samoa Joe. That'd be my preference anyway. But uh, I'd actually rather see those two fight again, if I'm being honest. But uh, that's a different time for or a different conversation for a different podcast. But anyway. Uh, so that'll do it for today. I uh, wanted to get those questions in and kind of give everybody a heads up on what we're doing here moving forward. Um, so that's that. And, you know, I'm not going to steal Brandon's closing line. Uh, you can continue to tip your bartenders and servers. So I'll have to come up with my own uh, to send us out on. So maybe something like, oh, I don't know, what's something that's more personable to me. Um, how about, uh, you know, remember... I don't know. I'll get back to you on that one. Uh, I'll get back to you. On the, I'll, I'm going to think on the final line, and then I'll get back to you. But I'm not going to steal Brendan's. That's Brendan's line. Uh, you all know it. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. I, I should be back next week. Uh, I, I'm hoping to anyway with Aaron, and we'll get uh, we'll get a nice intro with him and get him going on this. Uh, in the meantime, follow Aaron McMahon on Twitter. Uh, uh, it's, let me find his handle real quick. Uh, it is at... Uh, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, McMahon, M-C-M-A-N-N. So follow Aaron McMahon on Twitter. He's your new basketball guy around these parts. Um, And until then, uh, be sure to uh, take care of each other. Don't yell at each other too much. Football starts Monday, and uh, we will see you guys right early then at some point. We all want that sneaky little peek. We all want that sneaky little peek.